0: Welcome to the ArchMI podcast featuring our senior customer trainer, Blaine Rada. Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, or ArchMI, is a leading provider of mortgage insurance, or MI, in the United States. Our competitive pricing tool, ArchMI RateStar, is the leading risk-based pricing platform in the industry, providing rates based on a thorough understanding of the underlying risk. Here's your host, Blaine Rada. Welcome to the podcast. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI,
1: we have arrived at the final episode of season four. This season of the podcasts have been a, a, very, a very small focus, if you will, or a very specific focus on reviving realtor relationships. I've spent uh, several episodes diving deeply into a report that's put out every year by the National Association of Realtors called Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers. If you have not listened to the very first episode yet, it's very short, it's only 10 minutes, and it gives you some background and some context that is useful and information that I really don't cover in any of the other episodes. So I I would encourage you to listen to that even before you listen to this one. But of course, you are free to make your own choice. And if you want to disregard that advice and uh, continue listening on, that is certainly okay. For this final episode in the series, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the selection process not just of realtors selecting you, that was that was a lot of what I talked about in the last episode with what do realtors really want and or need from you, which obviously is how they will select you. Um, this, I almost want it to be you selecting them, you know, the idea that that you have every right, just as much of a right to select who you choose to do business with. Now, I I understand realistically, if you have a borrower that comes in to apply for a loan and they're by default, already working with a particular realtor. And this may not be a realtor that you would choose to work with because you either, you know, don't get along or don't have the same expectations about how things should be done. Um, I understand that you can't pick and choose who you do business with, but in the process of you trying to find realtor partners, I want you to understand that you have the right to be selective as well. And so I want to share with you a framework. Um, that will kind of again not tell you what to do, but give you some ideas and a structure that you can think through. Um, and I also want to speak a little bit about you know how to find that ideal partner, how to build that ideal relationship. So I have, um, I guess two things to start with. One is that you you are obviously a solution provider. and so first and foremost, first and foremost, you need to be the best solution to the problem that the realtor has. So whether it's just that they need an outstanding mortgage lender, or they need someone who is very good at doing difficult transactions, or they need someone who offers a particular type of product or does government loans or, you know, whatever it might be, first and foremost, of course, that's what you have to be able to offer to even, you know, even have a right to ask for their business. But there's also a relationship here that goes beyond business or could. And I shared in the last episode that one of the things that surprised me when I was moderating a realtor panel was that all of these realtors who were at the top of their game, when they were asked about their, their number one lender relationship, so their go-to lender, I mean, they all had several lenders that they worked with, but they all admitted there's a favorite, right? There's, there's the one that's number one to them they all said, without being prompted, they all just said this independently, that those relationships were also friendships. Now, I didn't get into it with them as to what does that actually mean? Because friendship could be anything from, you know, we get together after work once in a while to our kids are on the same soccer team or we go on vacation together or, right? So I would just say that my definition of friendship in this context is that you'd have a reason to interact that's outside of kind of normal business there's a personal relationship and it really surprised me that these realtors said that because i i always thought that this was more transactional like as long as you're really good at what you do isn't that enough so let's talk a little bit about this framework five a's which are simply five words that start with a i just tried to think of a way to structure it so that it might be more memorable easier to think back on and there there is an order to this 1 through 5 so first a is aim like aiming at a target and that's really what i'm talking about when you're when you're sitting down to think about how to grow your realtor referral business you're trying to establish how to do this better, what somebody might say to me is, Blaine, can you help me increase my realtor referrals by 20% this year? I don't really know how to answer that question because it's so vague. I mean, you do have a number as to how much more realtor referrals, you know, you want your business to be. But to give you specific suggestions on how to go about doing that, I don't know enough. Like, how do you focus on that? Because there's not a specific target. So what I what I mean by aim is, well, what kind of realtor do you want to do business with? The newer realtors where maybe they don't do a lot of business, but they need you because they don't know much and you can establish a relationship when they're early in their career that could really prove to be beneficial later on. Or are you talking about the the most experienced seasoned realtors who do a ton of business but might be the most demanding might be the most difficult to work with because their expectations are so high are you talking about people that work with what kind of buyer what what part of town that do you know that work with buyers that need what kind of loans in other words try to have uh, try to be more specific as if you were aiming at a target a demographic, more importantly, a psychographic. If you're not sure what those terms mean, well, you're probably familiar with demographic. But if you're not sure what I mean by psychographic, I cover that in a previous episode of this season. So just make sure if you haven't listened to all of them, go back and listen. In other words, what I'm suggesting is how do you focus without a target? How do you focus your activities? Because if your only goal is I want to do more business with realtors, I want to increase my realtor referrals, you're going to scatter yourself in a lot of different directions trying to accomplish that goal. And I'm suggesting that that's not the most efficient or effective way to do this. So you want to have an aim. You want to be more specific. Who is it or what kind of realtors am I wanting to do more business with? That's the first step. Number two, analyze. Basically, this is where you do your homework. This is where you do your research. So now if you know, for instance, that you want to increase your business with the brand new realtors, the ones that really don't have lender relationships yet. So it gives you a better opportunity to kind of develop that relationship because they're not already established with other lenders. Well, guess what? You need to know as much about what being a new realtor is all about as you possibly can so that you can offer solutions to what their needs are, so that you can figure out how to differentiate yourself. If you, if you don't do your homework, if you don't understand their business, and again, you don't have to understand it as much as they do, of course, but if you don't make an attempt to do that and everything is from your perspective as the mortgage lender, as opposed to their perspective, you're again, you're not going to be very successful because how do you differentiate yourself when you don't know exactly what their needs are? More specifically, right? So you, your aim was to narrow it down to like this kind of realtor, but now I need to know more about that kind of realtor so that I know what to offer them. The third A is approach. And what I mean here is kind of your posture, how you go about approaching them. And of course, confidence is important right? Because nobody wants to do business with somebody that doesn't appear confident in what they do and what they offer and what their value is. But I just said the key word. Your approach needs to be all about value. It needs to be all about them. What is it that you can do for them? What is it that you can offer them? I spoke a lot about this in the last episode on what realtors really want. How can you articulate your value? That really needs to be the approach. And again, it's not about you, it's about them, right? I mean, of course, by talking about what you can do for them, you are talking about you, but you notice how there's a different emphasis there. It's not about, hey, work with me. I'm great. I'm really good. I'm special. It's about here are the great and special things I can do that will help you. Of course, by default, I'm the one that's doing those things, but I'm not really focusing on myself. I'm focusing on how to be a value. Service over self. Maybe that's a way to remember it. Service over self. Fourth A, appointment. Now that's kind of a strange term, appointment, especially when there's so many ways that we interact with each other. You may not truly have an appointment. This is really more of an interaction. In other words, now you're actually engaging with them in some manner. But I needed another A, so I came up with appointment. Basically, once you actually start engaging with these folks that you want to build a relationship with, it's all about asking questions. It's all about you talking less and listening more. So many loan officers, and I was guilty of this myself in the early days of my being a loan officer, is that I would go into a real estate office. And I had a captive audience because for part of my loan officer career, I worked for a mortgage company that was affiliated with a real estate company. Some of you are familiar with how those relationships work. In fact, I could only call on that real estate company, right? Offices of that realtor, kind of real estate company, right? Because that's kind of, I was a sister company, right? So I had a captive audience, but I would just kind of go in there and talk about stuff that wasn't getting any information from them, right? I needed to be better at asking questions. In fact, what I needed to get good at was asking them about their current providers. These realtors who already had lenders that they work with, what do they like about them? What do they wish could be different? What are they lacking? Asking more questions, especially about my competition. And then that leads to The final a which is assess assess if they're a good fit in other words if you've if you've taken some time to figure out what your target is which is aim and then you've done your homework which is analyze and then you've approached from a position of value and service and in your interactions quote appointment your interactions you have asked a lot of questions especially about the other providers that they use you're pretty much at the point where now you can assess, is this a good fit? For both of us. Because I can't tell you how many realtors I would beat my head against the wall trying to do business with And the few times I would do business with them, I'd be beating myself up for why did I put myself into this position again, because we weren't a good fit for each other, either because their expectations were way out of line with what was reality, or they just were difficult to work with. They weren't pleasant, right? They were always like yelling and screaming and calling me it all out. I mean, you know, there's just some people that we're not a good fit for, for whatever reason. Well, let's find that out before we start walking down this road together. If we can, now sometimes you can't know all that until you start working with each other. But if we can figure some of this stuff out ahead of time and better yet, if you're not a good fit, can you find them a better fit? Because that's really impressive. You know, it'd be like if if a realtor contacted you and said, I've got this really difficult loan and I it's already been to one or two different lenders and they they can't find a way to work with this borrower. And they're asking if you could. Well, let's say you can't and that's a hard thing to say no we can't really help them either but what if you could say but i know who could because i'm skilled enough in my profession and i'm networked enough in my profession to know how i'm different from my competitors and who i'm comfortable sending these people to on your behalf knowing that they'll be taken care of right so you're not always the best fit but could you recommend who is wow that's that's what i call a professional What we're really looking for here is a partnership, right? This shouldn't be a one-way relationship. In your personal life, if you have a one-way relationship, it's dysfunctional, right? And a lot of people will eventually get out of that kind of a relationship. Why would we put up with that in business? This should be mutually beneficial. We help each other. We respect each other, right? And again, I'm kind of speaking from an idealistic standpoint. I know that in the real world, it doesn't always work this way, but let's at least try to try. To have it be this way. So let's talk about this ideal partner. How do you figure out who your ideal realtor partner is? Well, one way that you could approach this is to think about um, like a dartboard or if you're more familiar with archery, same kind of an idea, archery or dartboard, board, right? You've got a target that you're throwing or shooting something at, right? So ideal partner, let's think of three things. The must-haves, the must-haves. Think of the must-haves as you're at least hitting the target. Not the bullseye, but you're hitting the target. These are the things that I've got to have in this relationship. So, again, I don't want to put ideas in your head that would be different than your own, but just to give you an example, uh, if I was thinking about realtors that I would want to work with, if I'm a loan officer, a must-have would be, I want them to be experienced. So, in other words, I want them to know what they're doing. Now, this is just me talking, right? You, You may be fine working with people that have no experience, but I'm just saying, if it was me, in other words, I want them to have experience, I want them to be knowledgeable, I don't want them to be, you know, so part-time that they don't have any idea really what they're doing. And I'd want them to be professional, right? I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to work with people who aren't professional and I don't want to expose my customers to people who aren't professional. So those might be like Blaine's must-haves. That's just hitting the target, not the bullseye, but the target. The second part of an ideal partner would be great-to-haves. So you've got your must-haves, and then you have your great-to-haves. These would, this would be the bullseye. Like, if I could get this, that would be sweet. So maybe a great-to-have would be, I'd really like to work with realtors that trust me enough that they back off. That they don't hound me. That they trust that I will contact them when something needs to be communicated. And in the meantime, they'll let me do my job. Now, you see why that's a different thing? Now, maybe to you, that would be a must-have. I don't know. But to me, it's a it's a it's it's more of a great-to-have because I can't control, really, that they're not going to be somebody who's going to be checking in all the time. But that would be great. That would be great if I was working with somebody who was letting me do my job. And then the third criteria for an ideal partner would be the deal breakers. So if the must-haves is you're hitting the target somewhere and the great-to-haves is you're hitting the bullseye, the deal breakers is you haven't even hit the target. Like, like it's off the target, right? like This is like, this isn't gonna work at all. And again, you could come up with your own list, but for me personally, it would be working with someone who's unethical or someone that lies. I've come across many realtors in just my experience of being a buyer and a seller who have done things that I consider to be uh, inappropriate on my, based on my definition, just based on Blaine's definition. In fact, one of the realtors that I have the greatest respect for shared with me that they don't believe, well, they believe, let's phrase it a different way, they believe that many realtors don't have high ethics. Now, this is just their opinion. I'm not making a statement one way or the other about that. I'm just saying that that's what someone who's very well established in the profession shared with me. And it was kind of off the cuff. It wasn't like a serious conversation. But in essence, they were saying, you know, realtors aren't always the most ethical people. I mean, you could probably say that about anybody in sales, because a lot of times in sales, you kind of do stuff trying to get a sale that maybe in hindsight, yeah, you shouldn't have done it that way. I don't want to work with somebody who does business that way. I'm not expecting people to be perfect and to never make a mistake or ever, ever do anything that, you know, is slightly inappropriate because, you know, we're human beings and stuff happens, but I don't want to work with someone. A deal killer for me would be someone who consistently lies or someone who consistently is unethical, that that's kind of like their business model. I don't want to work with a person like that. Again, I'm just giving you my suggestions. They don't have to be yours. Okay, so let me share a couple of other things. That's the 5A framework, but I've got some bonus stuff. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, Just a couple of other things I want to share with you. I came across this recently and thought, I'm going to put that into one of the podcast episodes. The evolution of branding. And unfortunately, I don't have like a specific source. I don't even remember specifically where I got this information. I just, these were notes that I had made. It could be a combination of several sources the evolution of branding, because part of what I'm talking about in establishing these relationships is how you brand yourself. So if we go back in time, the early days of branding was about features. In other words, what it is. You are a loan officer. (laughs) And that's all that was said about branding. Like that's all, that's your brand. Features. You're a loan officer. Then the conversation kind of shifted over time to, well, what about benefits? Benefits is what it does. So features is what it is. Benefits is what it does. Well, a lot of sales is built around features and benefits, right? This is what it is, and this is what it does. I consider both of those to be kind of old school. I think in the new world that we live in, the new approach to branding, it's about experience. The experience of what it feels like. Working with me will feel like this. You've heard the phrase customer experience. And even more specifically, who is it geared toward? Identification. Who can identify with this product or service? Do you notice how much marketing now is geared towards, yeah, that's me. Right, that is so me. So if you had to define you, the essence of you, in a word, could you do it? See, your features, you know, you're a loan officer. Your benefits are what you do. The experience that somebody has is how it will feel to work with you, how it will feel to go through this process of manufacturing a mortgage with you identification is about who is it a perfect fit for who are you a perfect fit for can you can you do have a do you have one word that describes you in 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 an essence so i gave it you know i didn't want to just give you this and not like think about it myself so i thought about it for me and i came up with thought provoking now it is one word because it's hyphenated (laughs) those of you that are like "Eh, that's two words blaine Because everything that I do from my perspective is about encouraging you and provoking thought, right? Encouraging you to think for yourself, right? I mean, I'll give you some suggestions, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. You don't need somebody telling you what to do. But if I can get you to think about things, then I've I've done all I needed to do as far as I'm concerned. So I would have to say that what identifies me in the way that I deliver information is thought provoking. And by the way, that's what other people have said as well. So part of how I come up with, well, what is it, is what do people say? When people write nice things about you, are there some words that bubble up consistently when people describe what it's like to do business with you? That's probably what you're all about. And I'm going to give you one last challenge. Could you, in 20 words or less, say what you believe? And the best way to achieve it, as it relates to business, as it relates to the work that you do, as it relates to trying to establish realtor relationships, could you, could you state what you believe and the best way to achieve it in 20 words or less? And, and, and don't get hung up on, is it, oh, oh, it's 21 words, it doesn't count. I'm just saying 20 words because when we, when we tend to sit down and think about something like that, we write a paragraph. And a paragraph is too many words. So again, I thought about that for myself, and this is kind of a first draft at this. I mean, I'm sure over time I would modify it, but I came up with this for me personally. I believe in transformation. Now, let me just pause there for a second. What I mean by that word transformation is that I believe in changing. I believe in evolving. I believe in improving. I believe in all of us can be better. A better version of ourselves tomorrow than we were today in some way, right? So I believe in transformation, and I believe the best way to achieve it is to allow yourself to be uncomfortable. I believe in transformation, and I believe the best way to achieve it is to allow yourself to be uncomfortable because I don't believe we will transform unless we're willing to be uncomfortable. Comfort is the enemy of transformation. Now, that phrase that I gave you was 20 words. Says a lot in just 20 words. But it took me a few stabs at it to get it down to 20, because at first it was way longer. So, just a suggested exercise. I've given you a lot of things to think about. Take what works. Discard the rest. As always, it's such a privilege to spend time with you. I know you've got lots of different ways that you can spend your time, and it's always just... It's so humbling to think that people are actually listening and caring about this. Like, wow, that's really cool. But that's it for this episode. In fact, that's a wrap for this season. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I hope you found that investment of time worthwhile. This is Blaine Rada with ArchMI. Until next time, let's revive some realtor relationships.
0: Arch Capital Group Limited's U.S. mortgage insurance operation, ArchMI, is a leading provider of private insurance covering mortgage credit risk. Headquartered in Greensboro, North Carolina, ArchMI's mission is to protect lenders against credit risk while extending the possibility of responsible homeownership to qualified borrowers. ArchMI's flagship mortgage insurer, Arch Mortgage Insurance Company, is licensed to write mortgage insurance in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. For more information, please visit archmi.com. ArchMI is a marketing term for Arch Mortgage Insurance Company and United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. All rights reserved.